Let's just all together just lift your voice and just give him thanks. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, you're so so good. To There's the declaration of the angels at Christmas. And it starts out with, with one angel appearing to some shepherds in a field. And he says, don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. And you will recognize him by this, mirac- by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest of heaven. And there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. You know, as we turn our attention to Jesus and as we just focus on him and give him our praise and give him our worship, I I was struck by this passage that the angels who for eons were worshiping the king on the throne, wrapped in glory and surrounded by a multitude of multitude of angels. These same angels at this very moment were declaring the birth of this same king. Wrapped in cloth. And laying in a manger. Surrounded by animals in a stable. Do we recognize how incredible this is? That that the same king who was wrapped in glory and praised in heaven, now the angels are declaring his praises to men. And he's wrapped in cloth. The same king who who was surrounded by the most majestic, glorious creatures in heaven is now surrounded by cows and sheep. And laying in a feeding trough. It's the same king. And these angels are declaring. How glorious and how wonderful. If we just stop just for a moment to think. Doesn't it just turn your heart. In adoration to Jesus. How incredible that the King of kings and the Lord of hosts would come and be born. That he would put on flesh in such humble circumstances. So Jesus, we just give you praise and we give you thanks. There's no one else like you. In Jesus' name. This morning we're starting a two-part Christmas series called Home Alone. And uh, for me, that was a Christmas classic. I know for for some of you, it's like, that's a new movie. Um, But... I always loved, as a kid, I remember I loved the premise of this movie, that there, there was this kid, and he gets left home alone, and he's got to fend for himself, and he just kicks the bad guy's butts. Like, 
He's setting up all these traps. And, and I remember as a kid watching this movie and be like, oh, yeah, that's so great. Get him. And, uh, you know, what, what I find so interesting, though, is, is that in this, in this film, it starts out with he wakes up and he finds out that, that he's home alone. Everyone has left the house. And, uh, and he has so much excitement. He's, he's got a, a number of siblings, but he is so excited that everyone is gone and he gets the house to himself. You know, he's eating junk food. He's watching movies on TV that he shouldn't be watching. He's jumping on his parents' bed. He's, you know, trying to learn how to shave on his own. But halfway through the film, he starts to miss his family. And it actually ends up with this really sweet moment where he's, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm sorry, I'm wrecking it for you. But it has been out for like 20 some years. So <laughs> you might be a little late to the, to the party. Um, and, and so he's, he, he goes to this church and he says, you know, I just, I, please tell, I think he says, please tell Santa that I don't want anything for Christmas. I just want my family back. And it's this really heartwarming, touching moment of, of recognizing how important family is. And I know for, for some of you, maybe this morning, as you look towards the Christmas season, you're wishing that you were home alone this Christmas. Maybe for some of you, you're feeling like it's going to be a lonely Christmas and you're not looking forward to it. You know, I, I, sometimes we, as we talk about Christmas, there's a... We talk about the joy and the hope and the peace. But the reality is for many people, it's not a joyful, peaceful, happy time. There's loneliness. There's family fights. There's feeling of, of just overwhelmed, stressed out. And so... the. What I want, what, what, I, what I believe is, is actually at the, what's actually deeper than that. And why I think this series is so important as we go into the Christmas season. Is that I believe there's actually a spiritual uh, principle that goes much, much deeper. Whether, whether you're looking forward to Christmas and it's a happy time or whether you're kind of dreading Christmas this year. Whether you've got a good relationship with your family or whether you wish that they would all just disappear and you could eat junk food and watch movies on your own. I think there's something even deeper that, that Jesus wants us to experience this Christmas. And you know, in the, in the story of Home Alone, there's this parallel of, to our own spiritual lives where, where we wrestle with the... the, the difference between freedom, the freedom of, of not having anyone tell us what to do, and, and the accountability and the protection that comes with family. And I want to ask you this morning, what if, what if there's an invitation so much bigger for you this Christmas? What if there's an invitation to a full table, to a party. So that you don't have to spend another Christmas home alone. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And I read part of this just a few minutes ago. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. reading this morning out of the Passion Translation. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. 
And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassures them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. And you will recognize him by this, mirac- by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a feeding trough. And then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realm of heaven. For there is peace and good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. This year I was caught, as I was reading that story, I was caught by this, a couple lines there where it says, for today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. And even before that, he says, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it's for everyone, everywhere. And what's so incredible is that this joyful, no- this joyful news, it's actually the most inclusive news that you're ever going to hear. It is for every single person, everywhere. But it got me thinking, what is it? Why is it that we need a rescuer? Or why is this such joyful news that, that actual angels, anybody, has anybody had an angel visitation, like hosts of angels all of a sudden appearing in your backyard? Probably not. Maybe, maybe like one here or there. We're still waiting. <laughs> but what is it that this news was so incredibly important to heaven? That it sent the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven to declare that this is the most joyful news to mankind. I, just, I want you to let that sink in for a second. That the angels of heaven would come and declare this news. I, I would think we would pay attention. Right? right? I mean, if somebody appears in your room... And tells you something's going to happen, you pay attention to it. But if hosts of heaven light up the night sky, you're not going to forget that. And you're probably going to do something about it, right? No? No, we'd just hang out. I'd probably, you know, be watching Netflix. And Can you just hang on? I, I just got to finish this episode. But what is it? Why do we need a rescuer? And why is this such incredible news to be declared by the hosts of heaven? And I want to tell you a story this morning. You guys good with that? With a little story time? There was once a boy. uh, He was born to a family in a village in an unnamed, undisclosed country. But as this boy was growing up, he was about five years old, and there was a war in his country, and, and the war came, uh, the, the soldiers came into his village, and they ransacked his, his village, they pillaged everything, they took um, everything they wanted, and they killed anyone who got in their way. And this boy lost his entire family. And one day, he went from having a family to having nothing. And yet there was nobody else left in his village. His village was completely wiped out. Everything was taken. And so because the boy needed to find food, he moved to the, to the city uh, because he knew there was, there was an abundance of food there that he could find. He was lost and he was afraid. But by the time five years had passed... He had gained his street smarts. And at that age, no one would adopt him. Nobody was interested in having a, a preteen boy with issues in their home. They all wanted newborns and infants. 
And so he resorted to living on the street and stealing when he needed. He got really good at lying. People would ask him, well, where's your parents? They'd say, oh, they, they're just over there in the shop. And he would, he would find food in dumpsters and, and he would often sleep in those same dumpsters. He'd find back alleys and, and corners to, to hide in. And he learned to never trust anyone. He learned to always be looking over his shoulder. Make sure that nobody was following him. Never to trust anyone. And one day, the king of the city that he was living in, his procession came down the street and it's chariots and they're covered in gold and tassels and just, just a beautiful sight to behold. And as they came through, the boy couldn't help but think, if I could just get one of those small pieces of gold off that chariot, that would feed me for a month. Maybe for one month, I wouldn't have to worry about where I was going to eat. And so he decided that as the procession came to a stop, he was going to put his skills to, to use. And he snuck up through the crowd, he snuck up to the chariot, and he peeled off just one gold leaf. He thought, for sure, they're not going to miss it. There's, they've got lots. And as he was sneaking back through the crowd, he heard a booming voice from behind him. Halt! And before he could even start to run, soldiers came rushing around him. They surrounded him, and they grabbed him, and they dragged him before the king. And this king asked him, he said, where are your parents? And the boy, being asked this question many times, he had a, a pretty good response ready. But as he looked up, his eyes met with the king's eyes. And it was as though the king was looking into the boy's very soul. He knew right in that moment, he knew, I I can't lie. Because he's going to know. And so the, the boy squirmed a little bit. And then for the first time in a long time, he told the truth. And he told the king his story. But what had happened to his family, what had happened to his village. And the king looked at him and he said, you know what? Why don't you come and you live with me? You can be my son. You can live in the palace and everything I have will be yours. And as the boy looked into the king's eyes, he knew this was a man who never told a lie. This was a man he could trust. And so he climbed aboard the chariot and he went back to the palace with the king. When he got there, the king showed him his room with a a huge, queen-size, fluffy bed. Introduced him to his own servants. He said, "These these guys will take care of you. Anything you need, just ask. Then he showed him to the kitchen, and it was full of every kind of food you could imagine. And the boy thought, wow, this is like heaven. This is incredible. And and about a week passed, and the, the boy was was in the palace, but he started to feel like everyone else in the palace was different than him. And he started to worry, he started to think, if the king finds out that I am so different, he's just going to kick me out. He's going to get rid of me. He, he obviously doesn't realize how messed up I am. And some of his old Street smarts started to kick in. He said, you know, I I really have to look out for number one. So after dinner, when the family would sit down for dinner, he would wait till everyone left and he'd sneak around and take all the leftover food and stuff it in his pockets. And he'd take the silverware and he'd hide it in his pants and he'd sneak out of the castle and he'd bury it for later. Then when the evening would come and it was time for bed, he would refuse to sleep in his queen-size bed because he knew, or he he thought he knew, that it's just going to be taken away from him soon anyway, so why get used to it? Why get comfortable? So instead, he would sleep on the floor. And then it started where he would sneak into his siblings' rooms, and, and he would start to sabotage 
their rooms because he wanted to look better before the king. And eventually one day, the boy made up his mind. He said, you know what? It can't be long now. The king's going to kick me out. I might as well leave on my own. At least it saves me from the shame of being thrown out. And so the boy took everything he could carry. And he left and he went back to the streets. And unfortunately, this story doesn't have a happy ending. The, the boy, a few days later, was arrested for stealing. And he was sold as a slave until he could pay back everything that he had taken. An orphan heart will sabotage us from living in the kingdom. So often we live like the boy in this story. Even though God has called us sons and daughters, we live as though we're home alone. We live as orphans. You say, well, how, how do we live as orphans? It's, it's not always physical. Sometimes it's in the way that we manage our thought processes. When we choose to partner with fear and worry. When we choose to live with doubt and skepticism or a lack of trust. When we live hypersensitive. Where we're always competing and always comparing. When we're filled with self-hatred or low self-confidence. I don't know if you know the story of, of the prodigal son. There's a story that Jesus tells in Luke. And there's a father who has uh, an estate and his one son comes to him and asks for his share and then runs off and spends it all on parties and then realizes that that was a bad idea and comes back to his father. And in that story, there's another brother and, and when he finds out that his brother has come back, he's so offended and upset with his dad that he wouldn't welcome him back. And I would propose to you that it's not the son who ran away, but it's the son who stayed that had the orphan heart. The one who stayed and was so upset that his brother was invited back into the family. Because an orphan heart is always wanting to compete. Saying there's not enough to go around, so I better get my share. An orphan heart, instead of inviting people into the family, it actually repels people and says, no, stay away. We don't want any more. House is full. Doors are closed. But here's the thing. Family is transformative. Right? Anybody that has spent any time with their family, you guys know, right? The, the tension, you got to transform or you got to get out. Right? When, when, when you have different, differing opinions, when you're sitting at the table and there's two people who think different, guess what? That's actually a good thing. It's actually an opportunity to grow. And it's being in that atmosphere where we're transformed. Right? You're not transformed by being a lone wolf howling at the moon. You guys with me? But an orphan heart doesn't accept the invitation for transformation. So often we live as though we are orphans. When God has called us, he has invited us to be sons and daughters. 
Why do we need a rescuer? We need a rescuer from our orphan heart. We need someone to rescue us from our fear and our doubt and our worries. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 1, it should just be a page, page back, or maybe it's on the same page. Luke chapter 1, verses 67. This is the prophecy of Zechariah. Before Jesus was born, he had a cousin that was to be born, John the Baptist, as he's known. And after John is born, his dad prophesies over him. So the first half of, of this prophecy is towards John. And then at verse 78... is what it says. So he's basically saying that John is going to be a forerunner going before the face of the Lord. And then in verse 78, he says, the the splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation. And here he's prophesying about the birth of Jesus. All because the merciful heart of our God is so very tender. The word from heaven will come to us with dazzling light to shine upon those who live in darkness, near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. What's so incredible in this passage is that it it outlines why God would send a rescuer. It says, because God's heart is so very tender. The heart of God is so very tender towards you. And then he continues and he says, he actually outlines why it is that we need a rescuer. That those who live in darkness near death's dark shadow, and he will illuminate the path that leads to the way of peace. The Christmas story is an invitation from God to the world, saying, come and be part of my family. Come be adopted as sons and daughters. Come live with me. Come be in my kingdom. You don't have to scrounge around in darkness trying to find food, trying to find what you need. I will come, I will bring you into my house and everything I have is yours. That is the Christmas message. That is is what we are celebrating on December 25th. That Jesus would come to bring the invitation to each one of us, to the world that says, come and be my brothers and sisters. Come be a part of the kingdom. Come be part of my family. Romans 7 puts it this way. It says, what an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Then in Hebrews chapter 2, 10 and 11, it says this. It says, For now he towers, speaking of Jesus, above all creation. For all things exist through him and for him. And that God made him pioneer of our salvation. Perfect through his suffering. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy, and as sons and daughters, we now belong to His same Father. So He is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as His brothers and sisters. Isn't that incredible? That we would look at that and we'd be like, well, I can't introduce myself as a brother or sister of Jesus, and yet He introduces you 
as brothers and sisters. That he came to to pay the price to give his life as a sacrificial offering, as a sacrifice, so that you could be invited and welcomed into the family of God. Which means everything that is in the kingdom of heaven, you have access to. And yet, how many of us still live like that little boy who think, well, I better take what's mine now because there might not be enough for later. Right? Maybe when it comes to finances, you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to have enough this month. But what if that is actually the mindset of an orphan? Because a son of the king lives from, a a son and daughter of the king lives from a mindset of abundance. Right? The, The queen of England is not thinking, well, I don't know if we should host these world leaders because what if we run out of money? Right? They're not thinking, well, what if, what if they make a mess of the house? There's a different understanding as royalty. It's an understanding of abundance instead of lack. We have a, a video. I th- do we have that video, Rob? I just want to show you this video. As he's queuing that up, the tender heart of a father is to bring the most precious gift to their child. It's the invitation to be a son or a daughter. Maybe if we can restart that with sound. Stay here forever. Until you're 18, then I'm kicking your butt out. (laughs) But you have to sleep in the hot tub room. Jeez. You wanna you want us to adopt you? That's a yes? Yay! Party time! Yeah! Love you, Parker! (laughs) Parker! Did you hear my dad call him last? That is the message of Christmas in a one-minute film. It's God coming and saying, will you be part of my family? It's the message of belonging 
and of being loved. And not only that, but it's the message of of Jesus saying, I'm going to not just invite you into my family, but I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you actually have the means to live transformed. Not to live as an orphan anymore, but to live as an adopted son and daughter. There's no difference in adoption between adopted children and natural children. There's no difference. We are called to be transformed so that we look like our Father. So when the world looks at us, it does, they don't see an orphaned child. They see people who know who they are, who belong. And not just that, that are welcoming others to come and be part of the family. Isn't that incredible? No? <laughs> I think that's incredible. I'll rephrase that. So if we're invited into his family, what do I need to do about it this Christmas? How can I change the way I live so that I'm not living like I'm home alone, but that I'm actually living like I'm a son and a daughter of the king this Christmas? Because this message is not just about, it's not just about the physical aspect of Christmas, but where are we spiritually this year when it comes to Christmas? Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Romans 8, 4. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like to give up a home alone mindset, an orphan mindset? It looks like we stop living like it all depends on us. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Stop living like it all depends on you. You are not home alone. You don't have to fight on your own. You don't have to win on your own. You don't have to have it figured out and have all the solutions figured out on your own. You have the greatest invitation to be part of God's family and you have the availability of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So what does that look like? When it comes to time, I don't know if you know this, but did you know you have just as much time in a day as everyone else in the world? Some of you are like, what? No, I, I have less. I'm sure I have less. <laughs> I have, did, did you realize that you have the same amount of time in a day as Jesus had? Have you ever thought about that before? Jesus had time to walk on water. To feed 5,000, then 4,000. To do miracles, signs and wonders. And I, I don't know if you know this, but there's no verse where Jesus is like, people are like, hey, can you heal me? And Jesus is like, sorry, I'm too busy. You know that? There's no verse like that. So when it comes to time... If you're feeling too busy, pay pay attention, because it's going to sting, but I promise it'll help you. If you're feeling too busy, it's a choice, not a requirement. So often when we live from an orphan heart, One of the things that that goes out the window is like, well, we don't have enough time to do this or that or all the things we want to do. I I don't have enough time to do this or or, or to... You get the idea. Fill in the blank. It's a mindset of lack instead of a mindset of abundance. When it comes to energy, an orphan says, I'm a victim to everything that happens to me. If my energy is wasted by 10 o'clock in the morning, it's because this person wouldn't stop talking and that person wouldn't leave me alone 
and this situation happened and that situation happened. A son and a daughter don't come in as victims. When we live from a a mindset of abundance, the world isn't happening to us. We are created to happen to the world. To have an impact when we walk through the doors. And far too often we're living like we walk into a room and everything else affects us instead of we affect everything else. It's a mindset of an orphan as opposed to a mindset of a son and daughter. When it comes to our insecurity, I can't afford to believe about myself anything that Jesus doesn't believe about me. I can't afford to have that thought even circulating in my mind if it's not from him. When he has called me his brother and sister and has invited me to be a son and daughter in the family of God, when God speaks over you and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I can't afford to allow any thoughts in that say, I'm unworthy. I suck. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. Those are thoughts that come from an orphan heart. And when it comes to relationships, an orphan heart, which is ultra sensitive, as opposed to See, okay, let me, let me just highlight something. If you have something that's happened in your life and you run over that story, you have one or two stories and you run over them over and over and over again, this person did this. You know, and everyone you tell, you need to tell them, you feel like you need to tell them that, that this person did this to me and that's what screwed me up. Or it's just so unfair, there's so much injustice in my life because this person did this. And, and you have like one or two stories. Now, Hear me out. If you have more than one or two stories and this keeps happening, you need to get out of that situation. But if you're going over one or two stories and that's your justification, there's a good chance that, it's, that there is unforgiveness that you're partnering with. And unforgiveness leads to bitterness when it's allowed in your life. But, but a child of the king represents the king. And so if, if I say that, that God is forgiving and I'm living in unforgiveness, I'm living from an orphan heart instead of living as a child of God. If I'm allowing bitterness towards somebody to influence the way that I interact with them, I am living from an orphan heart instead of living as an adopted child of God. See, the excuses that we had as orphans, they don't hold up as sons and daughters. Because as orphans, we don't have the resources to make those things happen. But as sons and daughters of the king, king, we have the resources because our daddy is the king. When I say, I don't know how I'm going to forgive them, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Guess what the Holy Spirit carries with him? Forgiveness. When you feel frazzled and stressed out, guess who you have living inside of you? The spirit of peace. And so we need to make a mindset change from living like we don't have enough, from living from lack to living from the abundance that is actually what we have with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We need to stop living like we're home alone and everything depends on us. And recognize that the moment that you came in to the family, your house was filled with the Holy Spirit. He took up residence inside of you. You are not a victim. 
You are a son and a daughter. We are called to look like our daddy, living generously with our time, with our energy, with our resources, and with our attitudes. Because we're, lick, because we're living, not licking, living from a position of abundance instead of lack. It means that we think different. We talked about this last week in our series, or two weeks ago, allowing our minds to be renewed. Changing the way we think from the orphan mindset to the mindset of a child. An orphan heart will sabotage us from living in the kingdom. But you are not alone. You've been invited into a family, been adopted as sons and daughters. I'm just going to, I'm going to close here in a second, but I just want to say this quickly. If you're feeling like, if you're like, well, yeah, but I don't feel it. That's why you need to allow the Holy Spirit to change the way you think. Yeah, but that doesn't line up with this. It's because of the way you're thinking. See, when we think a certain way, we will take the pieces from different situations, and we'll put them to fit into the paradigm that we believe. And it's not unless we allow the Holy Spirit to come and change the way we think that we can actually move from orphan mindset to son and daughter mindset. You are not orphans any longer. Because of Christmas... Because Jesus came, the king of the universe came from being wrapped in glory, seated on a throne, to being wrapped in cloth, laying in a manger. You are not alone. And it's time we stop living as victims and start living like our Father. Let's pray. Just as we close, I wouldn't want to close this service without giving an invitation. This morning, if you're here and you've heard us talking about sons and daughters and God's invitation and Christmas, and and maybe that's not been part of your paradigm. Maybe you're here and this is the first time you've ever thought about God or you've ever thought about him inviting you as sons and daughters? I want to let you know that he's been thinking about you every day. That before you were even conceived, he was already thinking about you. And the message of Christmas is that he wants to invite you to be part of his family. That he wants you to give up the life that you have now to be part of the life that he wants to give you. Full of peace, full of joy, full of belonging. And so if that's you this morning, if you'd say, you know, I've never invited Jesus to come and fill my house. If you'd say, I've never invited Jesus to come and, and be the center of my life, I want to invite you this morning. You can do it today. And if that's you, if you, that's something that you feel like you'd like, just I want to invite you right now, just put your hand up. We'll pray together. We'll invite Jesus to be in your life. If you guys can stand with me.
I want to pray over you as we close. Jesus, I thank you that you came. That you gave up heaven to put on humanity because of us. I thank you that this is the most inclusive, welcoming message in the world because it's for everyone everywhere. So this morning, I just pray over each person here. I pray a revelation of who they are as your sons and daughters. I pray that this week they would choose to stop living as orphans and start living from adoption. And Jesus, church, if this is for you, I just want to invite you to put your hands up. Just... uh, just as a, as a declaration, if it's not for you, then just stay standing because I'm still praying over you. But Jesus, we're sorry for the times that we have chosen to live as orphans. That we've chosen to live from lack. That we've chosen to live from the mindset of not enough. And we just invite you right now to come and change our hearts. Show us how abundant your kingdom is. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just as we're closing, I'm going to put some music on. We'll have prayer teams at the front. If if you felt like Jesus started speaking to you just now as we were praying, Don't leave, just stay in that place and let him speak over you. Let him show you what his kingdom looks like. I I just felt like as I was praying, there were people that were starting to get pictures and uh, and thoughts, and and you're like, well, that's just my imagination. And that, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you about what he has for you. So if that's for you, just don't rush off. Don't feel like you have to go anywhere. We'll leave this place quiet. So please, as you as you go out, leave this place quiet for those who want. We'll have prayer teams at the front, and there's goodies and coffee and tea in the foyer. Please stick around.